Hi everyone, so today myself and Quasi are speaking to Simon Powers. And Simon Powers is a coach, but also a founder of AWA. AWA is a company that specializes in training, transformation and growth, and it stands for Adventures with Agile, which is why we thought he'd be a perfect guest to have on the show to have some conversations and it's been a really fun podcast to record with him, really great conversations and just a really good meeting of minds, if I can put it in that way. He's got a very similar mindset to myself and Quasi. Um, he's got a lot of experience. He's seen a lot of the same things and it was just great to be in that space. Today, he covers a number of things on the podcast. He looks at the start of his own transformation journey, kind of what transformation means to him and that real human aspect of transformation. And Simon's quite passionate about that human aspect and how transformation is about people, it's about relationships, it's about those fundamental things that both myself and Quasi also see as the real things that happen around transformation. He also shares his thoughts on kind of that leadership first piece, what he looks out for when he's looking for engagements with organizations, what are the first things he likes to see in place that helps those transformation efforts continue and also shares his tip for anyone currently going through transformation so without further ado let's get into this week's podcast and let's hear from simon enjoy first of all again thanks for coming on to transformation from the trenches i just want to have a conversation with you today about your kind of experience what transformation means to you so we feel that potentially a good place to start is kind of what does transformation mean to you what does that word kind of bring up for you as we as we talk about it yeah, sure. So um, I, I think different people have different reactions to that word. Mm. And um, to some people, it represents something which is uh, new, something which is brings hope, something which is away from the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and for other people, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It means something which is um, uh, you know, potentially threatening or they don't know what's going to happen next. And uh, for transformation for me is both of those things. It encompasses this place where we we know that what we've got at the moment isn't working so well. Mm-hmm. And we know that if we keep on doing that, we're going to keep getting the same results, which we're not that happy with. Yeah. So transformation for me is something which is about moving forward. It's about looking forwards to something which is different, but perhaps we don't quite know what that is yet. And so that can be a very exciting place and a very scary place. Mm-hmm. And we have to take both of those emotions at the same time and still have the courage to step forward into that unknown, to see what new things are going to bring for us because what we've got now doesn't work, so it doesn't work so well. And we think that we can have something better. And transformation for me is a, a multi-layered process, if you like, starting with the self. So we can't transform others or organisations or anything else until we first look at ourselves. And so transformation begins inside and then we can start to help others, perhaps a few, Mm-hmm. perhaps then teams and then organizations and it's this ripple effect which starts with the transformation of the self mm. and I, thought, I think that's really powerful because both for myself and Gwazi that's what we kind of feel as well it's like yeah. you know that embodiment of transformation for yourself yeah. Yeah. which helps you really resonate with other people and kind of help them on their journey and yeah. um, so I know that me personally and yourself Gwazi as well really resonate with that kind of mantra of starting with the self yeah yeah. yeah, very much so. Um, and the, the point you made about the emotions feel around it as well. So being both hope, I love that word, hope, yeah. and the scary part, just really, really interesting, is it's true. 
Yeah, exactly. And this is a journey that um, that we all have to go on because mm-hmm. the problems that we face today in our organisations and society can't be solved with the same ways of working. And it's not just ways of working, it's the way we show up. Mm-hmm. So those two things combined, the, the things we do on the outside and the way that we see ourselves, the relationships we have with the work and with others, those two things have to change. And when we look at some of the bigger problems, we, we go really big for a while and look at things like climate change, We've got things like um, you know, big, big immigration issues yes. with terrorism and all these other kind of things that are happening across the world. These things that people, you know, we read about in the news, these can't be solved by a bunch of politicians sitting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a choice of how we deal with these things. We either build walls mm-hmm. or we actually look for mutual beneficial solutions so that people can move forwards together. And, um, and what we're doing really is we're doing that on a very, very small scale. We're only talking about tens of thousands of people in organisations, <laughs> yes. not millions and millions like some of the problems that uh, the politicians have to deal with. But it's the, same, it's the same set of problems. These are problems where the only way that we can solve these problems are by large-scale behavioural shifts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really what we do. We start with ourselves because if we don't shift the way that we see our work and our relation to it, then how can we expect others? And I see that in organisational transformation, one of the biggest challenges is this idea that uh, that leaders or managers or senior managers have that that when you employ agile coaches or agile uh, change agents or any type of change agent, that that it's those out there that need to change their ways of working, <laughs> and we can still behave in the same way yeah. that we did before. Um, and I think this is at the moment probably one of the biggest sources of um, frustration and delay in moving towards enterprise or organizational agility, the, 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 the thinking that actually it's all out there, mm. whereas actually where it starts from is in here, you know, yeah. inside ourselves. Mm. And, and that has to really happen initially from the leadership team. And the leadership can be a team lead in a team of eight people. Mm. It can be a department head who looks after 80 people, mm. or it can be the senior management who perhaps have thousands of people reporting to them. But wherever the scope of work is, whatever the, the problem that you're trying to solve, the people that are aligned to that problem trying to solve it, the person who's running that, that's where we need to start. That it can't start anywhere else, in, in my experience. And those people are the people who need to look inside themselves and say, hang on, the way I show up, what effect is that having on those around me? Is it really giving them the environment they need to think, to innovate, to work together, to build the relationships that they need? so that they can actually solve these problems better than my competition or better than, um, than they are at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, and at the moment, I feel that that's probably the biggest block in terms of transformation that, um, that organisations and leaders need to face. I, yeah, certainly from my side, I definitely see that. It's like, it's like yeah, it's our presence piece. How is your presence yeah. enabling or disabling the people around you? Because yeah. ultimately, as a leader, from, from what I see, your behaviours and how you act and how you show up is a ripple effect. Yeah, Because people have to integrate with you and kind of work with you, which means they start to replicate the behaviours and things that you're doing. So are you showing up as that, that best self you can be to help everyone around you be the best self? Yeah. It's yeah. definitely something I see a lot where that, that kind of presence is a disruptor mm-hmm. and it, that disruption just ripples all the way down mm-hmm. um, and ultimately doesn't create healthy cultures and environments for growth and for kind of sustainability for the organisation. Yeah, And I know before we started recording, we spoke about um, headspace and time to continuously improve. 
what I've also found with some leaders that I've engaged with is they time to really understand what leadership means for them mm-hmm. as an individual. Mm-hmm. So what does leadership mean for me? Yeah. How am I going to show up to your point, Simon? Yeah, absolutely. And, and leadership is different than management. Mm, yes. um, not saying that management is needed, but certainly leadership is needed. Yes. And from a leadership perspective, again, it's that thing about, well, who am I leading? What does that mean? You know, leadership tends to mean going first. So mm. a leader leads. Mm. So if we're thinking about what type of environment we're trying to create and the behaviours we're trying to create, which is pretty much high trust environments, so that people can collaborate in a safe space, so that people have the courage to speak up and come up with those innovative ideas. We need strong business relationships. So if we're leading that, that means going first with those behaviours. So it's not about leading as in standing there with the charge, the bugle call, standing at the front. (laughs) It's it's about actually embodying this stuff inside and showing up in the way which we expect others to behave in order to solve the problems that we're we're facing. And uh, that's, to me, the, really the crux of, the, of a leader in an in a, in a agile or, or enterprise agility kind of space. It's about embodying those behaviours yourself. Also, what came for me as you were talking about that was um, the organisation as a whole also figuring out what transformation means to this organisation. Yeah. A lot of what I see is they say, oh, well, this is what organisation meant to that organisation, now we're going to apply it to us. Mm. And you're applying context from another environment to your your system. Absolutely. And that's why you get so much uncomfortableness and friction and feeling, because you haven't really truly looked at your organisation from a unique perspective and figured out, well, what does transformation actually look and feel like within this organisation? Yeah. Where do we want to transform to? Because it, it could and most likely is very different to what another organisation has done. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, we, we are still getting many calls from organizations uh, at AWA to come and install Agile, come and install the Spotify <laughs> model, come and install <laughs> Safe. You know, these, these processes, which uh, have worked somewhere, um, I'm assuming they've worked well somewhere, um, to install that over the top of your existing culture or existing ways of working, it ha- it, to me, shows a, a really naive understanding mm-hmm. of human beings. Mm-hmm. When has ever a consultant who comes in or a set of processes coming in laid over the top of people who have been working there for years who know their stuff, telling them that actually we've got a better way of working for you, ever going to work? It's, it's deeply disrespectful. And this idea of installing these, these agile frameworks or, these, um, or, or the, the Spotify model or the something model or whatever model it is, it really does show that um, it's, it's the old way of thinking. It's that I'm at the front knowing best. I'm the bugle charger, the, the, the manager who is, um, who is going to solve all everybody else's problems. It's the expert mindset. Mm. And what we're looking for is collaboration. We're looking for people to take ownership of their behaviours and their relationships themselves. And we're looking for people to define and own their own ways of working. And... The hurdles to do that are lack of knowledge in terms of how organizations and processes work and also unskillful relationship, the ability to have good collaborational relationships and build these high trust environments. So you've got these different areas of knowledge which people just don't have in organizations. And I really do feel that when people do install these things and they do sort of try and roll out these um, predefined uh, ways of working, they have the best intentions at heart. Yes. They really do. They're not trying to do damage. 
but they have a real lack of knowledge of people and process. And, and, and our job really is to try to um, uh, enlighten people in the, in the ways of, um, there are some great things in these frameworks, there's some amazing stuff that's been put together, and can we take some of those things, run it as an experiment, so also the word experiment scares people. It yeah, it it's another one of those words. Oh, experiment. Does that mean you don't know what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. And no, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Don't know what we're doing. No, that's exactly right. And neither do you. <laughs> Let's embrace that and accept the fact that your organisation is totally different than every other organisation. And the reason it's different is because you've got different people. Mm-hmm. So if we have that respect for people, we have to accept that they're different. Mm-hmm. And for that, we need to actually ask them, hey, you know, what problems have you got? Yeah. What's your vision for the company? What do you believe is important for you? What gets you out of bed in the morning yeah. to turn up every single day of your working life to come here and do the best you can? Yes. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? you know? so, and to ignore that and to say, actually, do you know what? We're doing this. We're doing that. This is the way you're going to work. And this is the vision. This is what you're working for. We pay you, don't we? (laughs) These kind of things just shows a very deep disrespect for people. And as a result, you're going to get kicked back from that. And this is why we hear all these things of, uh, oh, I'm just getting this resistance. Managers don't understand the agile. They don't get it. You know, well, of course they don't because you've just tried to force something on them. And and so really it's unwinding all of that damage that's been done already by um, people who just don't really understand what it means to move to solve these types of problems with large groups of people yeah i think i think it's happening for me it's trying to tap into that intrinsic motivation and passion of the person yeah if you can really help that person focus on things that they're really passionate about and they've got that intrinsic motivation around they will be they will be a successful person yeah both in in their in their work and in their life because they ultimately carry these things there is no often there's no real like work-life balance, it's just your life. And the two yeah. things bleed over all the time. That's right. And I think that we want to make, make sure that these people can be as happy and as successful as they can be in any environment. So it's giving them that flexibility and that space yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, um, yeah I've, I've always been of the belief that when I, as an example, personally, uh, I'll start with self as well, when I create something that I use my brain to actually engineer, mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it when I come to do it next time. So it's all the better that came from me organically, right? And it's pretty much the same concept. If you co-create with people in the office in the environment that you're in, they've thought about this. They know the problem they're solving. So that it becomes second nature. So it's sustainable and it's Mm. non-living. If you impose, then they have to remember the rules of the book. They have to get to the book every time. Yeah, and mistakes get mis- mistakes happen. People don't feel it. It's not intrinsic. It's not aligned. Mm-hmm. Values are all over the place, and it's, it's just hard work. Yeah. So that's I've always been of the belief: co-creation, intrinsically understanding yourself and the problem you're solving, best result. Yeah, and this um, that there's a deep people belief in this. There's a belief in people that people yes. do want to do the right thing, so, and that they're intelligent enough and creative enough to be able to solve these types of problems themselves, yeah. the ways that they work themselves. Yeah. And we've employed these people that we don't have, most organizations do not have an intelligence problem. Mm. Like people are not stupid, no. Like they really can't. Most people are employed actually because they're good problem yes. solvers. Absolutely. So now we're saying actually, you, know, you can solve complex algorithms and uh, all of these mathematical problems, <laughs> but you couldn't possibly solve the way that the work flows through your, um, your, you know, your desk. Um, we have to tell you how that works. Yeah, I mean, it's just ludicrous. It's, I think there was a good saying someone said the other day. It was, we employ chess masters 
and treat them like chess pieces. I'm not sure that came from it, wasn't it? Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they're in a good one. But yeah, it just, it, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. So, um, so looking, going back to the kind of like the whole transformation space mm. and what we're doing you know, in organizations and how that works. So it's about, it's about leading by example. We're hoping that people can um, get enough information or understanding about how to organize people and then allow that, so allow the space, the facilitation, the coaching, the high trust environment that people can then co-create their own ways of working to solve the problems that they face. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an old lean principle that mm-hmm. the people who um, make decisions are at the closest point to the work. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And it's the same thing with, the, um, uh, with organizational change. If you were to cast your mind back, because obviously you've been in the transformation space for a long time, what was the what's the first transformational space you can remember being in, and kind of what did that look like and feel like in, early in your journey? Uh, well, I have to say that um, I also fell into this trap um, of being the expert, and mm. so my first transformations um, were very much me saying, "Hey, look, I've studied this stuff. I know what I'm talking about. You don't, haven't got a clue." So I'm going to come along and be the expert and uh, I'm going to tell you how to do your work. And, um, and, and that's how I approach things at the, at the beginning of my journey. And that's where most people start because that's the culture that we come from. Mm. We're rewarded for being experts, for knowing our stuff. And especially if you're a consultant who's getting paid on a day rate mm. uh, or a consultancy who gets paid well, also on a day rate, most likely, then you're coming in as the expert. And the expert's stance is to know more than the people who's paying you. Mm-hmm. And this is a trap. And this is where I started. And I've unfortunately, or fortunately maybe, have to learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. And even at AWA in the early days, we were employing consultants. Mm-hmm. And we were a consultancy. And we went in and we told people what to do. Now, we did have some success. But compare that to the success that we have from a coaching stance, a facilitative stance, mm-hmm. then uh, it's, it's orders of magnitude different. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we did have resistance and our contracts were sometimes cut short and that's a hard thing to have to face mm-hmm. you know actually you know thank you very much uh, Simon you've been absolutely wonderful really like you but um, you're uh, you know you've been working here six months now and uh, we think it's time that um, you know you, you left <laughs> and it's like oh really well what's been going on so yeah. well you know it's not been quite working you know it's like oh my god mm-hmm. what have I done that's a hard reflection mm-hmm. that's knowledge which you've got to take on and if you want to succeed in this industry, you've got to, you've got to take that and you've got to say, all right, what am I doing wrong here? And I had to go through that. We had to go through that individually and as a company. And, um, and, and we've evolved. And now we don't do that. We don't come in as... Um, so we have, so we, have the, we don't come in as a purely an expert. What mm-hmm. we do is we come in with a coaching stance and we say, well, do you know best? And then when we look at what the problems are, we can help shape experiments, short experiments which lower risk. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're looking for. We're looking to move groups of people to be able to solve the problems that they're facing with the smallest amount of disruption and risk possible. Mm-hmm. And so looking, then we can use our expertise to be just one voice about figuring out what kind of experiment do we want to shape next. Yeah. So if we give an example of that to make this a bit more concrete, mm-hmm. let's say, for example, a typical problem of an organization is getting work out to market faster. Mm-hmm. Right? So say, for example, this company has a six-month lead time 
from coming up with an idea, developing this stuff, going through all the various different teams and getting it to a customer at six yeah. months. And the company wants to move that down to say two, two months, one month, two months. So the expert mindset would say, oh, I know how to do that. I, am, I know Lean, I know Agile, I know some frameworks. I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna reorganize everybody. I'm gonna tell you all what to do. We're gonna restructure everything. I'm gonna tell everybody how what their new job roles are. And then you do this, mm. and then you, that should solve your problem. Yes. And so on the surface, that seems like a really good idea. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Someone knows how to solve this problem. Yeah. And you come in, and what we're doing is we're treating everybody like parts of a machine. Mm. And we're not parts of a machine. We're human mm. beings. Mm. And when you do that, on a macro level, it looks like, yeah, all these people, their numbers in a spreadsheet, or their mm. bods out there working, mm. you know, and we just got to reorganize them all. And it all seems to make sense. But when you actually get down to it, they're actually human beings. Mm. And people don't like being shuffled around and told what to do. And you'll get resistance okay. and people won't do it. And even though it might have been the most perfect design that you had, it won't stick. Mm-hmm. So even if by some magic wand you manage to get everybody to do exactly what you told them to do, <laughs> in six months' time, you'll be back doing the same stuff you were before and your lead times will be back to six months, if not worse, and you'll have a demotivated workforce. Mm-hmm. So we need a different approach. So what we do is we look and we include the people who are in the workforce, the actual, you know, the human beings we're talking about. And we invite them to share what challenges they have through various facilitation techniques and through coaching. We hold up a mirror for them to see where the way that they're working. And then with our expertise of knowledge, because we do have expertise and lean knowledge and agile knowledge, we don't want to just throw that away. We bring that and we say, okay, well, you know, we more advocate rather than tell and say, look, well, here, here's some ideas. You know, what could, what could we do with this? And then the ideas start to come up and people come up and say, oh, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. Well, perhaps in our context, we could try this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that's going to take six months. And if it fails, you know, that's going to cause a lot of disruption. So in our experience, maybe we could try a little bit less than that. What do you think? Oh, no, what about this? What about that? And we have an open discussion. We co-create mm. the next step, which is a, a low-risk, sh- you know, short experiment to move on the ways of working that people feel that they can in, that they can embody. And then what happens is, in six months' time, we've reduced the lead time. But well, let's rephrase that. They yeah. have reduced the lead time and feel that they own it. And then when we go away six months later, the lead time is still reduced, mm-hmm. and that's 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 the payoff. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's this. It's uh, we still use the expertise. But we don't come in, and we're just one voice, and we co-create. I think that's the important piece as well from the sustainability for when you go. It's it, it, if they've actually been part of creating it, then it's theirs. It's yeah, not something that's yours. You're pushing onto them. Yeah. They've created it, so they own it. And it's, yeah, in my mind, it's always building up that experimental mindset and looking at things. What are the small things you can kind of play around with in your world to help you solve the problems that you're facing yeah. to move forward? Yeah. And how can you do it? I, I can't tell you how to do it yeah. because. As you said, quite frankly, you know your system, you know your world much better than I do yeah. because you've been here much longer. You already have that information within you. We just want to create the space to allow that to come out mm. and for you to actually move forward. Yeah, and I, I find I find that um, sort of creates capability as well because essentially what um, that co-creation element, what that space enables um, the teams, the human beings we're talking about here mm. to be exposed to is different skills yeah it's essentially to the point uh, the comment that oh that's an interesting way of looking at it i haven't thought of it that way they are learning 
how to actually create space or facilitate conversations of co-creation and, and, and things like that. So we built capability, I find, mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately that helps that sustainability. Yeah. Otherwise, you always get that elastic bounce effect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It yeah. snaps back after six months. And building in that kind of thinking into the day-to-day, into a process on a cadence, mm-hmm. allows the organisation to face whatever challenges come up because yes. people will be used to dealing with issues that come up, changes in the environment around us that happen rapidly, changes in priority in the way that what we work, we're supposed to be working on. And all of those problems can then be solved as a day-to-day thing. You don't need any more change agents. You don't need people to come in and tell you what to do because you've got this working mentality. And if if you happen to be listening to this and you're thinking experiments, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. remember back to the bit we said about leaders changing their behavior and growing. That's you, right? That's, if, if this feels like, oh my God, experimentation, we need someone to come in and tell us what to do, all well, that sounds too risky, that's a growth point. Mm-hmm. So that's an indication that inside yourself, there's a growth needing to happen mm-hmm. to be able to lead in agile environments. Mm-hmm. Because if we think that we can plan all this stuff up front, we can get an expert in to run it, then that's the old way of thinking. And that's the shift that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and without that shift then, sorry to say, yeah. Yeah. you're not going to reach agility. Um, and that's, that. that's what needs to happen. Growth point. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, yeah, when, when we talk about that experimentation, it's like you don't really know what the outcome's going to be. Mm-hmm. I always see as you go from possibility to actualization. So there's no way you can know what the actualization's going to be because you've got a bunch of possibilities that may or may not lead you there. Yeah. So it's about like navigating that path and feeling comfortable with the fact that you don't know. Because yeah. often comfortability, it's very difficult for people to feel comfortable with not knowing something. Because sometimes maybe the leaders are asking them to actually know something. Like, we want you to give us a date. Yeah. We need to know the exact date that you're going to deliver this on. That's the most uncertain, uncertain part around everything that we do. Yeah. We can't give you a date. And what has your empirical evidence shown you around dates as well? Mm-hmm. Has it shown you that given dates have been met or have not been met? Yeah. Because they're the least important part. The important part is the process we go through and the, the kind of learning we gather as we go through. Yeah, and, and I think that this, uh, that, that's a really good point because um, there are certain, um, the, the mindset which we've come from in the past, the project management kind of like plan up front, mm-hmm. execute to a plan, and, and then achieve a result. That kind of mindset, um, if you're in that kind of mindset, there's a certain sense of security and safety. Mm-hmm. And then when we're saying, actually, do you know what? Software is inherently unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of thing doesn't work. That can be very scary. We talked about the scariness of transformation. This is a scary thing for people. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking to with agility, it isn't to throw all of that out the window. What we're looking to do is become stronger mm-hmm. in the face of complexity and uncertainty. We want systems which actually thrive on it, not just manage to survive and get by and somehow muddle past. We're looking for the more adversarial, the more complexity, the more competitive, the more uncertain it is, the stronger we get. Mm -hmm. And so in more complex environments, in more um, turbulent times, our company will be best. It will survive better because our processes are fast adapting. Um, It's not just about survival, it's about thriving. And, And that's the mindset shift. And um, we talked about things like certain dates and things like this. And, you know, this comes, there's certain shifts that happen in that mindset from outcome, so output to outcome, Mm -hmm. from cost-based to value-based. And these types of shifts allow you to make that transition 
into this feeling of calm, centered, yeah. solid security that you're going to get from these turbulent times. Yeah, and yeah. um, I, I was just going to add to that as well. To the point of short burst experiments mm. that it actually emphasizes is to be not scared and to minimize the risk. The question then you should ask yourself if you're in a, in a complex environment is what's the risk if we don't do short burst environments? Yeah. How can we reduce that risk? Always looking at reduction of risk. And uh, exactly as you say, shorter experimental times, multiple parallel experiments, you know, um, we can do multiple parallel things at the same time. And we're looking for learning, continual learning and growth. And um, if 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 we take that in terms of reduction of risk and learning and growth, the two um, are kind of linked. And if we look at the different scopes on learning and growth, we've talked a little bit about Mm self-development. And um, one of the things that we've been doing is looking at what does that actually mean? How do I, is there a process? Is there there a template that we can look at for Mm -hmm. self-development? You know, because the first thing that comes, oh, I'll go on a training course or something like this. But actually, this is a day-to-day, minute-to-minute kind of um, evolution of oneself. And there's certain patterns that we can look at that help us, which actually fractally create a same kind of pattern of awareness Mm -hmm. in our teams and then our departments and our whole organizations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows, maybe one day the world in terms of climate change, but (laughs) we don't quite have the the relational skills to be able to do that yet. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what, you know, I'm sure will come at some point. Mm. I think from my side, encouraging people to actually just slow down a little bit to mm-hmm. kind of reflect on yourself to build that level of reflection and where you can actually look back and kind of you know how as a person has this kind of week felt for you or this day felt for you what part of this day kind of gave you energy or took energy away from you yeah kind of how do you want to kind of maintain that balance for yourself trying to instill those fundamentals and help people build those capabilities in themselves are then kind of seen as a ripple effect in the other things that they do. And they start to like, talk in that language and kind of be comfortable in slowing down. Because in yeah. a lot of organizations I've worked in, it's always, oh, we must do things at pace, we must continue mm-hmm. to move. Yeah. And it's like, you also need to slow down because if you go from thing to thing and you're continuously moving, you're probably missing a lot of what's happening within those spaces. Yeah. So really it's cultivating and encouraging those people to slow down, to look at their world and then figure out what they want that world to look like moving forward. Yeah, and uh, I think um, this is the, uh, to kind of add on to that, is this shift from output to outcome. Mm. So, you know, do we want more stuff or do we want more, the right stuff, you know? So it might be that if we produce more stuff, you know, we carry on on a linear progression of where we are, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. Keep producing the stuff that works for you and you can produce more of them. You can make more money and you grow. (laughs) But what if we could say, actually, what's the, what's the, outcome is there a better outcome is there something which we could do which actually means that we can do less work to produce the same outcome mm. can we have better outcomes and um, I kind of see this as um, as like a three-step improvement the first kind of thing is when we're looking at um, efficiency how do we get stuff out this is your output now a retrospective for example is a form of the first order of change mm-hmm. so how can we keep on doing the same thing but better yeah. how can we reflect on what we're doing and just keep on going better so that's the typical kind of like first way of change just keep on doing stuff but do it better mm-hmm. and organizations tend to then translate that into output mm-hmm. how much faster can we do how much more efficiency can we get mm-hmm. can we crank up the handles faster mm-hmm. 
nothing wrong with that, but it's only one part of the story. Mm. The second level is to say, well, actually, do you know what? Maybe in different contexts, with changing environments, with things going on around this, maybe we could actually do something different. Maybe there's something else we should be building. Maybe there's some other outcome which would serve us better. What would our customers need? What, what other kind of things? And instead of doing the same thing faster, maybe we do different things in different contexts with different customers. Mm-hmm. So we've got a different strategy. This is the world of strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, what can we do differently in different places? And then the third level of change is why? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing any of this? You know, why do we actually get up in the morning? What's the purpose we're serving, the higher purpose that creates something which is worth doing? Mm. You know, and, and, and when people start to think along these three levels of um, what they're doing, and we can have improvement cycles and learning and growth on all three of those. That's where we get the, I want to come and work for you. Mm. I want to come and do that because I understand why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. We've got a, a, the second layer of, well, depending on what's happening in the environment, depending on the complexity, we can change, we can swap, we can do a different process. We could do scrum here, Kanban there. We could be... Um, we could be doing something, some wild and wacky thing over here, but that's the appropriate thing. Yes. And then, the, and then also, we need to actually get stuff out the door. So we do need to think about output as well, because we've got to get things done. Mm. But that's like the last bottom layer once we know the other two. Mm. And so it's being able to think on all three of these, and that's kind of the leadership that we try to cultivate um, to for people to grow into, so that they can do all three. Mm. Yeah. And what are the things that kind of you look for? So if there's um, someone comes to you and says, we want you to help us with our transformation, what are the key kind of um, elements that you look for that say to you, this is this is the space I can really help? Yeah. So the first thing is that we have to have access to leadership. And the, what I'm talking about, the leadership here, it's the people at the highest scope needed to solve whatever problem that people are asking us to solve. Mm-hmm. That leadership has to be aware to come on a journey or be willing to come on a journey with us. And so we're looking at some coaching. We're making mm-hmm. sure that the leadership team actually understand the challenges as a whole mm-hmm. and that they can work together as a team. They can embody some of the behaviours which we know that the people who are going to be working on the shop floor, as it were, mm-hmm. um, for want of a better term, um, are going to have to embody. Mm-hmm. So if the leadership, and we do get this, people phone up and said oh we've got this huge pile of cash on the table we've heard AWA you've got all the reputation we want you to come and install Agile for us come and tell these people what to do make them work harder we will walk away because well we won't just walk away we'll try and explain and try and help with the leadership but if that's not viable we won't take that work whereas if the leadership team are willing to say actually do you know what you know we want to make a different organization we actually want to succeed here and we know that we need to probably make changes but we might not know what they are and this is a scary world but you know, would you be willing to come in and have a chat with us about that? Then that's a good starting place. Um, and then we'll work with leadership and then we'll fold in the right people and the right relationships so that people can build these high trust environments, define the ways of working that they um, are, that are most appropriate for them and we can help with all of that. Yeah. So it's leadership first, always leadership first. And do you find that once you get going with the leadership team, you've managed to make inroads they are coming on the journey to the point we were making before we led into this about the, that pace mm. of running and no no time to slow down because as we said as you started out with us on this podcast was it's transformation starts with self yeah um, do you find that once the leadership team gets it and they're on the journey with you they slow down for the teams to also have time for self 
to be able to transform and, and over time, I guess. Yeah, so um, the way that we operate is, as I say, it's like a coaching um, stance. So we'll hold up a mirror for uh, through our techniques, you know, not literally a mirror, <laughs> literally so that people can understand the problems they face. Yeah. And what happens is, is that if running at pace and too much work in progress and too much task switching and not enough time for outcome-based thinking mm. is the bottleneck for them, it becomes very, very obvious through the process. Mm. So we don't go in and say, hey, you need to slow down mm-hmm. or, you know, you've got too much work in progress. What we'll do is we'll facilitate that and it'll become so obvious mm-hmm. that they'll just naturally go, oh, hang on a minute. You know, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I hadn't really realized that. And look, we're doing it in multiple teams and they're all saying the same thing. You know, perhaps we should address this. What do you think? You know, maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. And they'll fix it themselves. And uh, that pace and all of those things naturally happen. And what we move towards, what I've seen as a trend that, that organizations are moving towards is more of an internal coaching capability. Mm. So managers becoming more coachy. Mm. We're having proper feedback sessions where people can take not just feedback as in once a year cycle of how your performance <laughs> review, but actual day-to-day feedback where yes. it's emotionally acceptable, where people are invited to give. So, so you invite someone to give you feedback and people give you feedback according to a very emotionally clean way mm. and you're able to take that on board so given in the spirit of true growth yeah. for personal mm-hmm. development and for team and for organization, you know, department organization. So these things tend to happen because they we need feedback. Every organism that exists on yes. the planet requires feedback with its external environment to survive. Mm-hmm. And why do we think that we would be any different? You know? And so that tends to happen, this culture of feedback, coaching, facilitation, rather than telling, um, following a process. People have a process. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like fundamentally it's building that deep level of awareness um, to allow them to then see things like the, what we talked about earlier about lifting that bell jar mm. and step outside and see what's happening within the bell jar and then we can decide what the next step is moving forward Yes, rather than saying we already know what's happening and we'll go after this because yeah. I guess you then fall straight into the trap works but we're applying context onto something yeah. where it may not be appropriate. Because if we know, if we if we think we know what's happening before we ask, then we're going to get the same results as what we had before. Mm. Because we already think we know what the answers are. So if you've ever been in a meeting where it's like, oh well, the meeting just came out the same outcome we always come out of, then that's because not everyone's been heard. You know, the facilitation mm. process didn't happen, and we closed down the meeting too early because we came up with the same old stuff. It's the stuff that's hard to hear. It's the mm. stuff that the elephant in the room. It's the emotional thing that's quite the back of your mind. You can't put your finger on, but you know it's not quite right. Those are the things which are going to be the next innovative thing, the next new way of working. And as we've been talking about, the space mm-hmm. and the, set, the high trust environment is what's required for those things to materialize. And that's what we do. We facilitate those things to come out in a safe way so people can say, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been feeling this for a while. I haven't quite put my finger mm-hmm. on it, but that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And those are the things which are the next leap forwards. Mm-hmm. Not the same old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think creating that space where people can be um, really honest with each other as mm-hmm. well. I think that sometimes when I have conversations, people confuse transparency with honesty and they're two separate things. Yeah. You can be transparent mm. and still not be honest with yeah. people. Yeah. Whereas honesty really is, like from my perspective, in those things, but like the foundational piece of we can be honest with each other, then we can kind of share our thoughts and opinions. We can always remove those masks that some people yeah. might be putting on and figure out what the best way is to move forward. Yeah. And you think how much energy it 
creates to take a lie or put on a mask. <laughs> oh, yes. Right? yes. How much energy is that that's just yeah. totally wasted potential? Yes. Yeah, I want to be able to sleep at night. <laughs> I want to have a transparent soul. <laughs> basically, it. I is completely clean. Out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I can turn up and I can be myself. And yes. that way, in that kind of environment where there's nothing to hide, I'm not scared, I'm not fearful of you know, some uh, social contract which was yeah. forced upon me that I'm supposed to behave in these ways, that unlocks so much potential. Yeah. You know, when we can unlock that in a workforce, there's no stopping anybody because we're, we're motivated by something beyond what we're, um, you know, beyond the paycheck, beyond the yeah. mortgage payments, you know, and we're turning up because we, we're wholeheartedly turning up with the whole self, yes. you know, and the power of that in that environment. If you, if you can, you know, as a leader, as a manager, as a, as somebody, whether you're a team lead, you can create that in your team. If you're a, um, a department head or, or a CEO, CEO mm. you can create that transparency mm. in your organization. There's nothing that can, mm. nothing will stop you. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me also it ties into the, the why mm. bit that you mentioned as well. Um, so yeah, that clarity of why is there. Then. Yeah, it's the only way to kind of, um, to transcend suboptimal yeah. achievement. Yes. You know, there's you know suboptimal achievements are you know if you want to achieve a goal, yeah. you can lower your goal. Yeah. You know, that's one way to get there. We can motivate by negative consequence. Yes. So we can say things like, if you don't do this, you know, we're in big trouble. You know, yes. we're in, you know uh, we can um, we can use uh, sort of unleveraged will. So we can say things like, um, I'm going to do this at all cost. Mm. It doesn't matter what else happens. We're going to get this done. And we're going to leave a string of disaster around us. We're going to leave an absolute chaos around. This is this is the organisation trashing the rainforest. You know, mm. this is the um, the celebrity who leaves a string of divorces behind them because they're succeeding at all costs. Do you yeah. really want to succeed yeah. at all costs? Mm. But the only way to transcend these negative or suboptimal ways is through some kind of sense of why, and some kind of higher purpose where people can link into and go. Do you know what? I want to be part of that. Mm. Yeah, you know, and and if you can't, if your organisation doesn't have a, I want to be part of that, then what are you doing? Mm. You know, what's yeah. the point? Yeah. Why, why, why you do what you're doing? Yeah, why? It's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of whys. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's amazing how many people don't know why they're in business. Yeah. You yeah. know, if people think they're in business to make money, ask your customers mm. why are they doing business with you? Is it to give you their money? <laughs> Probably not. You know, so you know. And for any for anyone out there who is um, currently within a transformation space who's struggling, they feel the pain, they may, may be getting them down. Have you got any like tips or advice for, for those people? Uh, well, other than asking AWA, <laughs> <laughs> feel free to come on our training classes and our coaching. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, beyond that, um, I would say um, the resistance that you're feeling comes from you. Right? You can't have resistance if you're not creating it, it's impossible. So look at those resistance points, look at that struggle and find out what you're, what you need to own. Mm. Find out what that ownership is and work on that. Mm. If you remove that, your resistance is gone. Mm. That would be my, my advice. That's, that's, that's okay. That's really Thank yeah. you. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming good. on today having this conversation. It's been great to talk yeah, through. It's, yeah. um, it's really good to see the um, we're all pretty much thinking about the same oh, things and seeing yeah, the same absolutely. things and it's, yeah. it's great to be in a space with someone of the same kind of mindset and approach of kind of what absolutely. we are and yeah, trying to do the same thing for organisations is to help them create that sustainable environment where they know what they need to 
kind of rely on the, the change agents to come okay. and change their organization because the organization is truly yeah. a learning and growth organization yeah. and they can do it for themselves. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's been, uh, it's been really nice to see you both and um, it's been an awesome chat and I've uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks.